If you have not already done so, I would love it if you would go to our website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. That's www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. We have our library of episodes. And also, please tell your friends, please tell your family, please tell your coworkers and your colleagues about the show if you've received any value from it. And if you've ever wondered what it is like to work with a financial advisor, what that process looks like. Email me, david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com. And let's set a 30-minute uh, phone call, Zoom call, or in-person meeting. Let's discuss what's keeping you up at night on a financial basis, and let's see if there are any next steps. We hope that you enjoy this episode. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chuddick where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, where we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies to help you to build and maintain wealth. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the maintain wealth part of it. Um, very excited to have Jonathan Feniak. Jonathan Feniak is with Wyoming LLC attorney, and we are going to talk about asset protection. We're going to talk about LLCs. We're going to talk about who should consider uh, owning an LLC, putting their business in an LLC. And, and maybe there are times when using a, uh, a, a Wyoming-based LLC is uh, it could be in your best interest. And and uh, Jonathan also has uh, has some inter interesting stories from September 11th. Um, <clears throat> gosh, we're going on 20 years ago now, aren't we? In the next wow. uh, next few months, yeah. So, so hey, Jonathan, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful day. I'm here in Denver, Colorado. It's a beautiful day. Denver, Colorado. So you got into the um, the attorney business a little bit later in life. Tell us a little bit about your professional background. Yeah, I started out uh, right out of undergrad. Um, working in transportation logistics, works for UPS, DHL, Airborne Express, was a district operations manager in Manhattan on September 11th. Um, talk about, uh, you know, working under pressure, uh, what we went through, what everyone in New York went through, what my employees went through um, was, was really astounding. And uh, so many people rose to the challenge. Um, as, as terrible as it was staying focused on getting the packages delivered. There were important mm -hmm. things that we were, we were having delivered or, or, or we had to deliver from overseas. Um, luckily we didn't lose any of, of our employees, but everyone was touched by September 11th. Everyone who worked for us, all of our friends were touched by it. Um, at, at, after that, it was a, uh, that was, uh, you know, obviously 2001. Um, I was looking for a change. It was a tough business. Uh, so I, I went and I got an MBA, um, from Rutgers university in New Jersey. Uh, that's where I'm from. And, uh, then went into finance and was able to work at a number of hedge funds, uh, investing in small cap, micro cap, public and private companies, equity deals, debt deals, um, uh, eventually became a financial advisor, uh, with Wells Fargo advisors and, uh, for about five years managing the assets, stocks, bonds, portfolios of um, high net worth individuals. I then went to the law. <laughs> and then, then he went into the dark side and became, I don't have any good attorney jokes today. So we'll just, uh, just skip those. So physically, how far were you from the, uh, from the World Trade Center? 
And what was that day like for you? Like, did you get off of Manhattan? Because I remember, no, you know, that's no, one of those days out. where, you know, it's always where were you on September 11th? So so tell us a little bit, a little bit about that day for you. Yeah, we were at, at Pier 40 West, which is Houston Street, West Houston Street and the West Side Highway. And we had a direct view. I, I, I don't have them here, but I have some pictures that uh, on, on that morning um, at about uh, about the time that the first plane hit, all of our drivers were leaving the facility. And so we would stand out on the loading dock and sort of watch them go out and talk to them and have a good day and so on. Um, and uh, as they were leaving, we saw the first plane hit. And uh, from where we were, it was, a, it was a little black dot on the side of the building. And we're all talking, man, it was an accident and yeah, uh, yeah. everything. I'm, I'm getting sort of getting chills talking about it. But um, uh, it, it, it was an accident. What happened? There was a couple of guys, a, a lot of the folks I worked with were in the military um, and, and they were talking about their experiences. Uh, and then the second plane hit and we knew it was something totally different going on right. here. Uh, pulling all of our drivers off of the road. We went into um, really emergency mode, get everyone back to the facility, uh, understood what was happening. Um, we had employees who were, you know, had half a dozen employees who delivered inside the World Trade Center complex on a daily basis. And they were, they would go down underneath. There was a loading dock underneath you know, one and two towers. And luckily they had not gone in yet. Um, they were waiting in line to enter. Um, but they saw some some terrible things, uh, those folks who were uh, right at the towers there. And, and then it was a, uh, a l- luckily no one was lost. There were there were some who were um, really shaken uh, and were sort of never the same um, after it. And, I, you know, I won't get into the gory details of, of what they saw, but terrible things. But the 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 company uh, we had to uh, the, the the managers. I was the uh, district operations manager at that time. We had to you know had to lock down the facilities, make sure everyone was was accounted for, take care of all our equipment and the like. And uh, it was thirty six hours before I was able to get out of Manhattan. They had closed down the tunnels. Eventually, was able to exit across the George Washington Bridge and get home. Um, you know, the, the panic of not being able to talk to my wife, all of the, the phone lines were down uh, or busy. Um, but the one of the, I mean, it's, it's miraculous. Uh, my wife and I had been trying to have uh, children for five years uh, and, and we were not able to get pregnant. Uh, came home and <laughs> September 13th, 2001 <laughs> is the conception date of my twin boys. Uh, they, they were, uh, you know, born about eight or nine months later but it was, uh, you, you know, you think about the stress that her her body was under, or my body was under, and we got together, uh, and it was a it was a sad but joyous time uh, uh, to 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 actually be safe and and home. So it was a uh, in, impactful, and I'm as talking about. It, I remember, I remember everything. I remember everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that was a time there were no Democrats, no Republicans. There were just there were Americans, and we came together. And it's almost tragic that sometimes these things have to happen in order for us to come together as a country as, as we should. But, uh, but yeah, crazy time. And it's just, I remember it like it was yesterday and it, it's coming up on 20, uh, 20, I had gone for a run. I was visiting my parents, came back, saw the news and like everybody else thought it was an accident. And then when the next one happened, the world changed because you knew <clears throat> it was definitely not an accident for sure. Wow. Yeah. 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 Well, let's talk a little bit today about asset protection, and we're going to talk specifically about business asset protection. So as an attorney, uh, your job uh, or or one of your jobs is to help 
help protect clients. So if I own a company, what are some of the ways that I can protect my personal assets and also the assets of the company? And then let's also, let's give our disclaimer here. This is for informational purposes only. Consult your own attorney for, for, for specific legal advice, yada, 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 yada. So take it away. Asset protection. Yeah, having an asset protection mindset, uh, as much as a, a growth and, and wealth accumulation mindset, I, I, I really think most people don't pay enough attention to. As a financial advisor, um, some of my clients had been through multiple events over the course of their life where all the walls came crashing down, they had accumulated significant wealth, and something we call them credit events happen. You know, whether it's a, a personal bankruptcy, a divorce, a lawsuit, something happens that really can pull the rug out from under you. And, and it pulled the rug out from many of them. And that was a, in, in a large part an impetus for uh, becoming a lawyer, because I think it was a blind spot for many individuals who were building businesses. And, and you need to adopt these asset protection strategies and this mindset very early on. An LLC is where most people start. It should be where you start. Uh, forming a limited liability company in any state separates you from the company and the liability that the company incurs from engaging with the world, selling a product, providing a service. It creates a definitive line between where you end and the company begins. And now, can you, that line be be broken if, if certain procedures are not followed? A, a, absolutely. There's something called veil piercing. Uh, veil piercing varies from state to state. But there's uh, about eight or nine different things that a court will look at that that are, are pretty similar. Wyoming's an exception. We can talk about that in a minute. But from a veil piercing perspective, uh, if someone sues the company, their first uh, way to get paid is going to be insurance. Recommend having insurance for your company, whatever you're engaging in. If you're a landscaper, if you're a an architect, an engineer, you're selling a product, have the appropriate assur- insurance to cover the risks you face. Sometimes though, the liability can exceed the amount of the insurance you have. At that point, they will go to the assets inside of the limited liability company. So what is inside the company? Does it own a building? Does it have hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash in its bank accounts? Those would be used to settle the claims of the creditor next. The creditor may say that's still not enough. And for some reason, want to go after or, or use some claim to go after the individual owner of the company. That's called piercing the veil when they, they go beyond the company. Um, basic elements that are in, in almost any state which would subject you to a veil piercing event and uh, being held personally responsible are going to be commingling funds is one of them. Are you paying business expenses out of, the, uh, out of your personal accounts? Are you paying personal expenses out of business accounts, right? Having a bank account for your company, the only thing that goes into that are business income. The only thing that goes out of it are business expenses, unless there's a distribution to the members. So the owners get the profit quarterly, monthly, uh, annual basis. But there's a record of that. You're not using your business bank accounts as your personal bank accounts. It's not you. If you want the entity to be respected by a court, you need to respect it yourself. And I think that's 
it's relatively easy to set up an LLC in your own state. And I think that's probably an area where a lot of people are kind of missing the boat and making mistakes. And, and that's certainly why, uh, why wise counsel is, is definitely, uh, definitely recommended. Setting up the LLC is, is the first step, but it needs to be that mindset. And it's, we call it an LLC mindset, which is really an asset protection mindset. This is not me. This LLC is not me. It's separate and distinct from me. And I need to treat it as such and respect it. You wouldn't reach into your friend's bank account to pay for your groceries, but people do that with their LLCs. They'll use the company card to pay for their groceries. That's a clear co-mingling. And the court would say that it's really just your alter ego in that case. Um, do, do you maintain good records of the company? If you walk in and say, okay, show me, prove to me. And I like to imagine I'm before a judge and uh, they're trying to pierce the veil. Prove to me this is a real company. What can you show them? You have records, meeting minutes, bank accounts, tax filings. Um, what is the company doing that uh, establishes that it is separate and distinct from you? And if you have that mindset from the start, it's very easy. Wow. So if somebody maybe has been paying some, you know, every every, every once in a while, they're paying a personal expense out of, out of the business uh, business account. I mean, do you just stop at this point forward and, and just say today's the, the line in the sand and we're not doing it or, or can you go back and make it right? So th there's that, there's that saying, you know, the best time to plant a tree for shade was 20 years ago. And the second mm -hmm. best time is today. And so if, if you have made mistakes, um, uh, if, if it's clear that you were just paying your groceries, um, out of the business accounts, uh, you, you can't fudge it, right? That 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 could put, actually put you in a in a worse situation if there's uh, an analysis of your bank accounts. Well, what was this King Supers or this you know AMP charge here on on the card? So think about it going forward. Um, what toeholds would you potentially give a plaintiff with the business going forward? You can't change the past. I mean, you can you can try to clean things up if you took money out contribute it back in, make a note of it and say that this was an inadvertent disclosure or, or, or payment. I used the wrong card, make a note, put the money back in. You at least have something. Again, the, I think the fatter the stack of documents you can present to a judge, the better off you're, you're going to be as opposed to having nothing. Okay. So looking at asset protection, I mean, I guess I kind of look at it two ways. I could get sued for causing damage or I, the business can get sued for causing damage. And then also there's maybe money the business borrows. Uh, you know, can I personally be held responsible for it? So, so let's look at, uh, first of all, let's say there's a, I, I'm getting sued. Let's say I have a landscaping company and I don't know, a pebble got picked up from, 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 a, um, from a lawnmower and it, and it, God forbid, killed somebody. And, and the lawsuit is $2 million. And I had a million dollars of general liability insurance. What happens at that point, just kind of with those simple numbers, the courts have ruled that it was my fault. I did $2 million worth of damage. I have a million dollars of insurance. And you, you had an LLC. I have an LLC that presumably was, was set up properly and managed properly to where the veil has not been pierced. And then okay. maybe we can actually, actually also talk about if the veil, if we can, if, if somebody can make the argument that the veil had been pierced, but mm -hmm. let's look at it that way. So if uh, the veil is not pierced, that creditor would have access to the insurance and then whatever assets are in the LLC. So if the landscaping business owns trucks, lawnmowers, a building, uh, 
if, if they're worth up to a million dollars, you know, let's say they're worth a million and one dollars, then that would satisfy the claims of the creditor. They would take all of the assets of the company, foreclose on all the assets of the company. And does that make a good argument for not keeping an, an excessive amount of cash in the business bank account? A- absolutely. Um, uh, I, I, I wanted to talk about how you can separate your business into multiple parts. What is the business? Okay. The business is providing landscaping services. The business is not owning a building. The business is not owning all of this equipment. And so what we'll often do for clients is analyze how much capital is at risk or how much equity is at risk in the business. I I, I see this often where, you know, a small business starts and they say, well, we're going to buy a building and they do. And the building has a significant amount of equity, but that's the operating entity as well as the asset owning entity. And my recommendation in those cases is to split the business in two. You have a property ownership LLC. You've got an operating company LLC. The operating company leases the building from the other entity. And if the operating company is sued, all they're going to get is what's in that. Maybe, you know, six months worth of operating capital uh, or, or reasonable reserves in the bank account of the operating entity. It also happens with um, uh, intellectual properties, not a, not a landscaping business, but uh, you're working on a technology, an app or a, a program. And there's a lot of work that goes in on the front end to uh, create that program and a lot of money and has a lot of value. Um, when you're selling that product to the public, it probably shouldn't be the entity which owns the intellectual property. You can set up a licensing agreement between the company that sells it, which is a marketing entity, and the entity which owns the intellectual property itself for the program. They have an, an agreement between them. It's a bona fide contractual agreement, and that protects the really the valuable part of the business from the claims of creditors who are like to, likely to come in at the operating company level. One of the reasons why I love running this podcast is because the landscapers of the world, they know how to cut grass. They know how to grow grass. They know which types of soils. They don't know about holding companies. They don't know about even setting up LLCs or or running them properly, or that it is a big deal to buy your personal groceries with the business credit card. So one of the underlying principles that I really feel that we all need to follow is we need to know our task and we need to know our trade. And then we need to pay experts to help us with the rest because what you're potentially helping people do is protect millions of dollars of money that they have now or money that they will never end up having if things are not, uh, not set up properly. So let's go back and let's just go back to that landscaping scenario where the, um, the claimant is making the argument and they've successfully made the argument that the, the, the corporate veil was pierced. So $2 million claim, there's a million dollars of insurance. Um, I'm the landscaper. I have a, let's just, I have a million dollar house and I have, um, you know, $500,000 in a non IRA account. Like what happens at that point? There's an extra million dollars that wasn't paid for by insurance. So that, that's why I recommend uh, uh, what, what, what would happen is they would have a claim against your personal assets, right? They could seize your bank accounts. They could put a lien on your house. Uh, they could foreclose on assets that you own as an individual. For folks who believe that they have uh, an amount of risk that they can't adequately cover with insurance, um, they may want to consider a holding company structure. So having, you you had mentioned it just a a couple of minutes ago, a holding company in Wyoming 
which wholly owns an LLC in a subsidiary state. You've got a landscaping company in Texas. The landscaping company in Texas is a Texas LLC, but you are not the owner of that company. A Wyoming LLC is the owner of your Texas LLC and you own the Wyoming LLC. So, I mean, devil's advocate here, isn't this just lawyers making up ways to make more money and have more transactions and make things more complicated? Or like, is this like, who would this be appropriate for? Like what type of business, what type of revenue, what type of risk, you know, are typically um, having holding companies that own LLCs in other, in other states? Because this is fascinating, to be honest. So c- companies that are um, a high liability high likelihood of liability and maybe excessive uh, cost of insurance. I think about, you know, an an obstetrician. Uh, An obstetrician can have $5 million worth of malpractice insurance. But if an obstetrician is sued or or if a mother and child die on the birthing table, God forbid, uh, there's not enough insurance in the world. And that mother and child will uh, sue that entity which performed the service for them. They'll probably also sue the, the, the doctor, uh, him or herself. We won't talk about that. Um, they are going to do everything in their power to pierce through the veil of that subsidiary and get to the holding company or get to the individual. Wyoming law is uh, drafted in such a way and it's, uh, it's unique in that the sole remedy of a creditor of the LLC or of a member of the LLC is going to be a charging order. And a charging order means that they can sit on the outside of the LLC, but they can't get into it and take the assets that are in it. Wyoming makes veil piercing extremely difficult. They've taken the, the discretion out of the hands of judges. And in many states, if it's a single member LLC, uh, it's fairly easy or it's much easier to pierce the veil. Wyoming has said the number of members in an LLC does not matter when it comes to veil piercing. There's only four things that a court can look at and uh, co-mingling uh, is one, failing to adequate, uh, uh, maintain records, uh, it being your alter ego basically. And so by having a Wyoming holding company, you are preventing that uh, creditor from getting to you as an individual, even if it's a very sympathetic uh, plaintiff, even someone, you know, it's, it's widows and orphans who are harmed by the activities of your business. And a judge in Texas is going to try to do everything he or she can to get through your Texas entity. They're going to be left with an empty company, basically your holding company. So why would Wyoming make this law? It seems like, or, or I mean, what's in it for why, why is there, is Wyoming the only state that, that allows this or, or is, is, Talk to us about the Wyoming situation. Yeah, there's been a a sort of an arms race when it comes to limited liability companies uh, and creating really protective structures. Wyoming was the first state in the nation to recognize limited liability companies as an entity type. Uh, Nevada and Wyoming are fairly similar in this charging order protection. Most other states are trying to balance the um, needs of their citizens to be able to sue companies and really get paid and the needs of business owners. And Wyoming uh, has taken the approach that we're going to be the place that protects the interest of business owners. That, that's their focus. As much as you know, c- citizens of Wyoming, potentially I guess, I guess they're getting the short end of the stick if you're in Wyoming and are harmed by a Wyoming LLC, potentially getting the short end of the stick, but that's how they're attracting 
people to engage with businesses like ours in Wyoming, uh, to open companies in Wyoming and pay annual fees and formation fees to the state. So for, for the Is state, there tax it's sort of, revenue to, to Wyoming, additional yeah. tax revenue, additional tax revenue. And, and Wyoming does not have a, a business income tax or personal income tax. And so they're trying to create ways to bring in money into the state's coffers. Wow. Very, uh, very fascinating. Very fascinating. Um, So your company, Wyoming LLC attorney, if if someone is, is thinking, wow, you know, I have some risk that I just never really considered. And and this is honestly pretty scary because we do live in a litigious society. And if you're, I mean, shoot, if your company has vehicles on the road, I mean, liability is almost unlimited. What is the process? Like, what are some of the things they would talk to you about and, and how would, how would, you know, what, what would your, your mindset be as far as kind of going forward and making recommendations? I, I need to understand what the risks of the business don't, don't overcomplicate it, right? You're, you're, you're a landscaper with a, a truck and two mowers, an LLC in the state in which uh, you are operating your business in 99 times out of hundred is going to be fine. If you're building a multi-state real estate portfolio, well, you, you're going to have a, a different risk that we need to worry about. And we're going to have LLCs in many states, as well as a holding company. Uh, if you are uh, involved with properties, multifamily properties, uh, uh, commercial properties where your liability is even higher, at that point, we may want to consider a Wyoming Asset Protection Trust, which sort of goes at the top above your holding company and subsidiaries and provides an additional layer of protection. Thinking about splitting up a company, understanding, well, what does the company really do? Is it in the business of owning real estate or is it in the business of mowing lawns? Well, then why do we have the building owned by the same entity that's mowing lawns? And we you know, dive into it and say, okay, let's split this up. Let's split this into multiple parts. Entity owning business, operating business, uh, separate LLCs with a Wyoming holding company, and, and then assisting clients with, uh, uh, th- through our website, uh, we offer the ability to get meeting minutes and document your entity activities in an easy way. Uh, we have really tried to democratize the practice of law and keep it out of this sort of upper echelon where people are concerned about what they're going to pay and surprise billing and all these other things. Someone can book a half hour of time with me or my partner uh, for a very reasonable price. And they can talk to us about their situation. At the end of those calls, nine times out of 10, we have a plan in place for them that they can execute with our democratized uh, platform to be able to form LLCs in any of the 50 states in Wyoming, get the documents they need and, and make it happen. Now, again, let's go back to devil's advocate. If we're having several entities I understand that that's, that's creating asset protection. How much extra cost does that create with, I mean, there's additional tax returns. There's, uh, and, and I'm not saying that the, the complications are not worth it, but for someone who's thinking, you know, I just can't even think about another entity. And, and what would your answer to that be? It, it, it's a business decision. Having come from the business world, I absolutely understand that. And for some people, it's not right. Fairly low risk, you know, we're using a landscaping um, business as an example. 
probably probably not appropriate, right? To, to have a very complex structure for a landscaping business. I would still do the splitting off of having two LLCs, one for the building and one for the operating company in that scenario. But there is, a, a, I, I look at it from the perspective, okay, it's gonna cost me an extra $500 a year for each of these entities. Uh, just record keeping and the entity type and the like. How much more insurance could I buy with $500? Because it's a heck of a lot easier to go and buy an insurance policy and know you're covered. Maybe, maybe that gets you an extra million dollars of coverage. Well, pro probably don't need to form the extra entities, right? You can keep it simpler, uh, put the money towards insurance, but some folks uh, insurance in some states is prohibitively expensive. You know, talk about uh, in, in California, uh, it can be $3,000 plus a year for uh, simple, fairly simple liability policies uh, for a landscaping business or otherwise. So it's very expensive. In that case, get the entities is from a business standpoint makes more sense. Um, but it, it, it should, you start at the simplest level, LLC in your home state to protect your personal assets, your car, your house, your bank account, uh, and then build from there. If you need more, if you're worried, Talk to an attorney. That makes a whole lot of sense right there. <clears throat> and what I find is I love the business owners of the world. They're passionate. They they love they what they do. Uh, sometimes they don't make any money. I mean, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, sometimes, you know, you're literally working for free. You're busy. You're the plumber for your own office. You're the electrician. You're the janitor. Um, don't be your own attorney. Don't be your own accountant because these decisions are just too important uh, potentially the ramifications of how to form and structure your business. You know, th this is where you need the good team around you. You need the attorney, you need the CPAs, um, you know, the financial advisors can add, add some input, but these are, these are the areas where most of the entrepreneurs do not have that expertise uh, in order to make, um, <clears throat> make the, uh, make the right decisions. Well, awesome. Well, um, I always like to finish up our show before giving our contact information. We are the Weekly Wealth Podcast. So I believe that how I handle my money should enhance my life and the lives of everybody around me, especially the people that I care about, but also just uh, the world in general. And um, it's not all about dollars and cents. So what is your definition of wealth for you personally? What is, what is your definition of wealth? I, I've, I've thought about this. I, I have two 19 year old uh, kids and they're in college and thinking about, you know, so, how so they, you don't have any wealth or at least any, <laughs> any financial wealth, how they can guide their lives and, and how they guide their lives. And what I've learned over my, I'm 48 years old, whatever, what I've learned over my 48 years of, of life and delaying happiness until some later point uh, doesn't work out. Right, you can't build a uh, a savings account of happiness or a hope of a savings account of happiness in the future. You need to have happiness uh, along the way, and happiness is wealth. Spending time with your family. Um, I'm I'm lucky in that I, I work at home and my wife works at home, and we take time every day uh, to have lunch together. And there's been points in my life where I haven't been able to do that, and no matter what I was making at the time. Uh, I, I, I didn't feel as rich as I potentially could because I wasn't spending time with the people I love. And if, if, if you don't have a spouse, spending time with friends and making time for the coffee 
to have coffee with them or have a lunch or have a dinner or spend a weekend go, you know, going on a walk or a hike. That's really wealth and building a life that allows you to enjoy that when you want in the amount you want. That's really wealth. And, and yes, if, if you're, uh, uh, don't have wealth, you're not in charge of your own destiny. You can't decide where you're going to have lunch and, and when you can take an hour out of the day to go and uh, have coffee with a friend. And so real wealth means being able to find happiness and seize it as it comes along. Well, and piggybacking on that, there are people making $10 million a year <clears throat> that maybe by that definition, they're not wealthy because they are so tied to their profession and, and everything that they have to accomplish to maintain that high income that um, in some cases, and that's, I think, where the minimalist movement is is kind of gaining momentum is, is where people seeing that time with loved ones, freedom and everything else is um, is really, really important. So for anybody that's that says, you know, I'm just not sure that my company is set up properly. Um, I'm not sure if a, if a, a holding company um, inside of uh, it, based in Wyoming is right for me. And but but I'm interested and I'm concerned because I've worked hard and I don't want my assets for one accident to, to potentially be gone. How would they find you? How would they contact you and what what might be their next steps? So Wyoming LLC attorney is our website. Uh, it is, uh, it's got fantastic content on there. Um, my partners are, uh, are experts at, at getting really great content. We're working on um, improving it on a daily basis, but 185, 190 pages on just about every topic you would want information on. If you have additional questions at the bottom of the website, there's a contact form. Um, those are, uh, we have a, a team here that reads through every contact that comes in and will be able to, in many cases, get you the answers you need. Is it about holding companies? Is it about uh, how to protect yourself generally? Is Wyoming right for you? And so on. Uh, they'll get you the information. And then there's a, an opportunity to book time with me and my partners and a half an hour at a time, you know, pay, pay by credit card, uh, no retainer, no concern about what is this going to wind up costing me? I love and that. Yeah. Here's what it costs and, and that's it, right? There's no billable hours or anything. That's nope. perfect. Nope. I love it. And, uh, and, and the people will put in, uh, when they book, they put in what they want to talk about. You know, I can write paragraphs and people write, you know, we want to discuss these 10 bullet points and we'll get a team of their accountant and their, their local attorney and their partners. And we'll get on the call and because we have such a, a small focus, privacy and asset protection, it's very rare there's something we, we can't address. Uh, we, we read all of those invitations and, and what the people want to discuss ahead of time. Sometimes we, do a little, uh, we need to do a little bit of research on a novel topic um, uh, coming into it. But the people are getting real value um, from those calls for a low price and, and then giving them away that this democratization of it to execute on their strategy using our low cost um, uh, website to form their LLCs, to get their documents, to do a whole bunch of different things easily and inexpensively. You, you, there's, there's some folks that are, they're out there and they're, you know, a thousand, two thousand, five thousand dollars for an LLC and a simple operating agreement. For our LLCs, well, Wyoming LLC, it's 199 bucks, right? Get a great set of operating documents, everything you need to be on the right side of a veil piercing um, to protect your assets uh, to the greatest extent possible. So we're giving you the tools you need. And then if you need some help along the way, most people, you know, entrepreneurs are do it, do it yourselfers, a little bit of guidance 
uh, from us and some of our partners, whether they're accountants or banking or insurance or other uh, companies that we, we work with and have confidence in, uh, they can get what they want. Not quite a one-stop shop. We're, we're, we're always adding things, uh, but uh, we are trying really hard to meet the needs of our clients. I love it. I mean, that's just upfront pricing, um, consultations. I think it just sounds like a really good idea for a lot of people. So so if if talking about this seems like a good idea to you, go to wyomingllcattorney.com, click the contact us and 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 schedule your consultation, talk with Jonathan and see if this uh, see if there are some next steps, see if it works um, works for your asset protection plan. So really appreciate your time and your expertise. This was actually fascinating for me. I learned a lot and um, uh, we hope to speak with you again. David, thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. The information contained herein, including but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other material obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. The materials are provided for informational purposes only. It should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results.